books on books on the brain. <laughs> Welcome back to Books on the Brain, a podcast of books and nonsense. My name is Danielle. I'm Deirdre. And I'm Carly. And we welcome you back. Hello. It is summertime. The sun is out, hopefully, wherever you are, and you're having a great time. Yeah. Doing what you got to do in your Mm -hmm. summer times. (laughs) Oh, man. It has been a busy week. I feel like we are are all busy little bees. Heck yes. Heck yeah. Oh, man. I I bucked my second dose of my vaccine today. She's going to be fully vaccinated. Taylor Swift announced that she's coming out with the red, her red album in November. Uh, And how dare she put a limit on my hot girl summer to be sad girl fall. Because that hurts me. (laughs) Uh, It was so funny seeing everybody's like, yes, this is coming. to like the people that wanted, what is it, 1989? Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. I literally would go from one Instagram story of people being like, yes, to other people being like, how dare you? What? (laughs) People were like holding out because tomorrow, this, no, today, uh, is Scooter Braun's birthday. And they were like, she's gonna do it. She's gonna release the album on his birthday. And Mm, obviously we did not get to the man. Uh, He's the, oh, he's the, he's them we all need to stick it to. Yeah. Really boo, boo. Uh, we've had a busy week on book talk too. It's just oh. <laughs> I, it has been a busy week all around. Everyone around. has an agenda, and they're like, "This is the week I'm pushing it," and it's like, "Sis, mm. maybe it's not the best take." <laughs> so we acknowledge that like some of this conversation might be a little bit irrelevant but knowing book talk will probably come full circle anyway so by the time this episode comes out we'll probably be having the same conversation again honestly so yeah. just copy paste <laughs> just copy paste please that's what it you. feels like you know it a lot of the conversations yes and i think like because the life cycle of book talk and people joining is so like quick that it's like every time we do have this conversation it is people's first time having this conversation right right so those of us that have been on the app for a year are like could we move on could we have a different conversation please (laughs) it's been 64 years (laughs) (laughs) exactly so what 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 is what has been going on this week on Book Talk? This is our boo 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 our weekly Book Talk report. Um, <laughs> uh, we've been having a lot of conversations about romance books in the romance genre. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're not yeah. all great takes. No, and it's really interesting, mm. like how this kind of like sparked because it really feels like over the last couple of months, at least the people that I follow have gotten more and more into the romance genre. And gone into, like, the different layers of the romance genre, like fantasy romance and erotica and dark romance and supernatural romance. (laughs) Um, And it's been really exciting to see people branching out in romance and finding the niches that they like and are enjoying and new authors. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it has also Mm -hmm. brought on... I don't know what the right word is. Criticism. 
jealousy. It's almost like it's a mix of like yeah, it's like a mix of like warranted valid comments because like when we get into like people talking about romance and YA, I'm like, yes, there are very valid points being made when people talk about how we rate books and who those ratings apply yep. to. I think there's some valid criticism there. But then there's also some like unwarranted like backseat driving of like how dare you read this book it's like no one's forcing you observer (laughs) to sit and read this book it shouldn't matter what other people read and i think like it shouldn't matter what they read should they be reading critically Mm -hmm. yes right like Mm -hmm. we talk about problematic authors like you can read whatever you want but think about it critically and that kind of applies here too like if you're reading books that have content that's maybe darker or uh, would be triggering for people think about it critically before you recommend it think about it critically yep. for yourself i think all yeah. those things are important yeah <laughs> i don't know i'm just so it, we kind of like i had a thought it and it left of, me <laughs> so, we kind of like so the comp and like i've been trying so basically if you take one day off of tiktok you're lost in you're lost on everything absolutely you need to have like you need to have a schedule with your friends of like you need to be on the app this day so that we can all come back and figure (laughs) out what is going on because if you miss one day yeah you're lost so i missed the first day of this and i was like hello (laughs) what are like of what though because there have been so (laughs) many different points where there's been a different romance conversation that it's like wait wait who said this because i haven't even really feel like i've seen the like videos that have sparked the response videos yeah, i've just seen the response yeah. videos people like addressing the discourse so i'm like I'm okay like, well at least discourse? what happened where, where is the discourse <laughs> all the discourse has been deleted i'm like it? what is happening <laughs> how am i supposed to know <laughs> like uh, and i'm like great i'm following people that feel the same way as yeah. me yes but i would also like to go back to the original source and understand where you're coming i agree <laughs> and that's like the part of like book talk that i get really confused is because it's like responding to this and i'm like but but can you like I mean I know we're not adding people but like can you add them because I'm confused and then I go into the comments right. and then I start spiraling because it's like all these other offshoots of this conversation and I'm just like ah. yes or it's like this person made a video on this so I click it and then they don't really talk about what mm. the original poster and it was like this person made a video so it's like playing tag Literally. through all these people's videos and I'm like it's great that we are talking about it but I'm like so we, we need to have a database like yeah. an excel spreadsheet like <laughs> So my old butt can go and be like, ah, yes, the origin. <laughs> this this person yes. said this bad take. Ah, I understand yeah. the context. Because, yes. and like, pardon, <laughs> we've never talked about this on, <laughs> I've never said this word on the podcast, but there's now, <laughs> people are throwing around in regards to romance that people who read book with adult content, book with smut, uh, are addicted to <laughs> or <laughs> addicts. And like, that in itself... <laughs> Like, that was the first video I saw on my For You page. It was like, oh, someone was like, addiction is serious. And I'm like, what is happening? See, I never saw those videos. I just saw, like, the aftermath. And I was like, what? What's happening? I was just so shook. Because, like, why are we talking about this? had no idea where it came from. It just felt like one minute we were talking about Ice Planet Barbarians. And there was several different conversations happening surrounding Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, From people being like... (laughs) I don't know how I feel cut to after reading the book. I'm obsessed. I'm on book five to people like making fun of the people that have been reading Ice Planet Barbarians, mm-hmm. which like don't agree with. But I feel like at this point on book talk, you know that if something's popular and women are liking it, it's going to get made fun of Whoa. even by other women. 
<clears throat> internalized misogyny. Um, <laughs> and and then it like went from that to talking about smutty books mm-hmm. and the books that are now kind of being recommended on Book Talk a lot. And I think what a lot of people, or at least I haven't seen people talking about, is there are a lot of adults on Book Talk. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of adults on Book Talk that are discovering romance or finding out that other people like the same niches of romance that they like and it's exciting to talk about those things like i don't know that i necessarily love how open i am about talking about katie roberts books but it is exciting to have conversations about these books with people or to be like oh didn't you love it when he said this (laughs) (laughs) like i did with my video the other day um and to have people making blatant statements, like calling people porn addicts, when, number one, you, a stranger on the internet, should not be attempting to diagnose anybody. Yeah, show me your credentials. Like, no. Please. Um, also, simply, simply based off of people talking about one book series or a handful of book series, there is no factual evidence behind you saying that and mm-hmm. it is serious because it is an actual addiction that people have right like well and i think it discredits harmful. yeah i was just gonna say like i think it discredits like people who actually do suffer from it like you're you're just kind of mm-hmm. like stirring the pot of making everyone feel like when you don't need to that's that it, that's exactly right that's exactly right i saw so many people so many people i think i saw one comment uh and i'm and i know that person is not the only one saying that they found romance and read a lot of like i don't know what the word is for just like higher levels of spice romance Mm. because it gave them more comfort and security in their own intimacy Mm -hmm. and it helped them explore their sexuality and their relationship with their intimacy so much and that's their way of doing it which is totally valid there are so many incredible romance writers that add nuance to their books and um give readers a way of exploring their intimacy through these characters i also saw a lot of comments about people saying like i turn to romance because i am a survivor of sexual assault and it gives me some amount of liberation and some kind of community it builds around me of people who have experienced similar things or even just having a book character like I don't know as as a female having female book characters who are like confident and like okay with being sexual beings I'm like that is so unlike so many of the portrayals I see of women on television or in movies I'm like that is so liberating to have female characters be like I am smart I am strong I'm independent but also I like intimacy. I'm like, ah, what a, that's great. And I think yeah, there's so many, there were so many discussions of people being like, you, if like shame, like it was just shaming. Yeah. It was judgment and it was shaming. Mm-hmm. And I, I was not, I wasn't very much online when Fifty Shades of Grey really hit the market. Um, I was <laughs> right over in the Twilight fanfic section. So, like, adjacent, but, like, not <laughs> quite. Um, but You were at the OG so- source material. Yeah, <laughs> she was, like, hipster with it. But um, 
I can I can imagine there's probably very similar conversations happening where people are like, if you read mm-hmm. this book, there is something wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong right. with having addictions. That's such a nuanced conversation. But the yep. intention of people who say, if you read romance books, you are addicted to blank, that is a judgment mm-hmm. meant to cause harm. That is a judgment on not only people who read romance, but people who have addictions. And I'm like, sis... Like you, if you are have that take, you are uneducated and you are too young to be having this conversation because that is just an uneducated take. The other thing that keeps getting thrown around is um, that if you're reading these books, you're romanticizing the uh, topics and in them. And I think which, a really interesting. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think a really interesting point is that no, no, no. people who experience trauma, sexual trauma. Um, can find like a lot of um what's the word i'm looking for like they can heal almost by reading these books because they're giving Mm -hmm. themselves consent yeah like they're giving themselves consent to go through these like taboo or like spicy scenes or whatever they may be they're giving themselves the consent that they weren't given when reading them so it it's a way for people to heal. And I think, like, this is even just, like, a broader, like, spectrum of not even only just romance, but, like, taboo subjects in general. Like, depending on what mm-hmm. they are. But, like, so, like a lot... I see so many... Like, I can't remember what their username is, but there's someone on BookTok who he constantly talks about how there are people in his comments who are always telling him that the books that he's reading are, like, bad because they're dark romances or whatever they may be. And he's like, mm-hmm. I find comfort in them because I am a survivor of sexual trauma. So... This is mm-hmm. how I cope. And for you to tell me that this isn't right and that I'm, like, disgusting is so harmful. So. Right. It's also, like, no one's, like, you don't walk into someone's doctor's office and, like, demand to know what kind of treatment they're getting or, like, demand to know their history. So it's, like, yeah. if people are choosing to open up and be vulnerable and share parts of themselves, which is what books you're reading, that is a vulnerable thing to, like, open up and be, like, I take interest in reading this. That is showing a part of yourself that maybe you wouldn't necessarily show to everybody. Yeah. And, like, it's just such a bad take for someone to draw those lines and make those connections. And I can't help... A lot of the videos I saw were people being like, if you read Wattpad... If you read Wattpad... Sorry, that was a lot of Ws. if (laughs) If you read Wattpad at a young age, then you're addicted to... Maybe then half the population oh. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, here's the thing. Like, I, for sure, other than, like, some of the books I accidentally, like, physical books, I came in contact at a young age, for sure had my first, like, oh, yeah. sexual content given to me through Wattpad books. Mm. Or, like, right. whatever kind of online forum. Mine was Tumblr. <laughs> and that's what the conversation, I feel like it morphed into this, like, monster with a thousand heads where it was like, these are all the conversations we're just yeah. doing together. But, like, part of the conversation yes. was... Uh, people giving <laughs> giving their opinion on whether or not children, children, I use air quotes, <laughs> should be allowed to read books with adult content. And I feel like we can't be policing that. Yeah. In this, like, like, we don't no. even, like, movies if, on Netflix. Kids can do whatever they want unless their parents put up some kind of parental yep. blocks. But I'm like, if we gatekeep this content from kids, it's not going to help them in the long run. Like, yes, I, what I think, like, my solution, sorry, my solution and this is what happened with me and my family. Like, if I read books with adult content, like, i.e. Breaking Dawn, mm-hmm. I would sit down with my mom and we would talk <laughs> about it. And we would be like, this is what was in the book. Do you, wow. are you feeling about it? And yeah. I'd be like, mm. 
but like I had a great support system and I think like it's not a great take to like shut kids and young adults I won't even say kids young adults down by being like you can't be sex positive you can't know anything about adult content because I'm like they're no because we know that doesn't work (laughs) yeah exactly like that's not how you that's not how you teach people to be sex positive that's not how you teach people about safe sex that's not how you teach people about sex at all like shutting them down from it is going to lead to either really poor sexual habits Mm -hmm. um or just like Poor sexual education, which we already have a bad sexual education yeah, at this absolutely. point. May I just say that, like, my parents, so, like, I was a little inconsolable as a little tot, little tot, I mean, as, like, a teenager, like, I did not want to talk about, like, anything. Not that I didn't want to talk about it, but, like, I, I just, I wasn't, like, given the tools to express emotions. Maybe that's something I need to work on, but... Mm. When my mom didn't, like, my parents didn't try and have, like, have that kind of conversation with me. Like, it was just kind of, like, expected for me to know or, like, Mm -hmm. school would teach me or whatever. So I found my, quote, unquote, education in fan fiction. And especially, like, when it comes, like, this is, like, a whole other, like, rabbit hole to go down. But, like, queer representation is not taught when it comes to sex education at all. Not at all. Like, you know what I mean? So to, like, to take the, or, like, to try and, like gaslight and gatekeep is not very girl boss of you when it comes to no, or this. because <laughs> um, it's just like you you don't know what you know quote unquote teenagers children like what their situations are so maybe like that's the only way that they can educate themselves or you know I think there are definitely areas inside of romance that are meant for people over the age of definitely. even 21, yeah. even 100%. 25. There are there are parts of romance that I know I am not going to touch right now because mm-hmm. I am still, I am a baby in the realm of romance, right? Like, I have gone zero to 100 very quickly with the types of romance I have read over the last year mm-hmm. from, you know, coronavirus erotica <laughs> to... Uh, the Brown Sisters right. <laughs> to uh, uh, Disney Villain Erotica. But um, I know my limits mm-hmm. because I am 26 years old and I can read critically and I know where my boundaries are. And to place limits on, you know, there are certain areas of romance that you're just they are meant for people who can understand the nuance yeah. of yes, it. Yes, I agree. 100%. And, and, and can genuinely separate fiction from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, which some people are just not equipped to do in their teens. Yeah, I agree. Some people aren't equipped to do that in their 30s. Literally. So it's like, I mean, that's true. And like, that's I, true. I think, like, we look at, like, even if we pull two comparisons between, like, Katie Robert and... Yeah, James. They both talk about mm. the BDSM community and like kink community, yep. and right. like to see how toxic and gross Yelly James's relationship is, and the and mm-hmm. the per- partnership, I guess you would call. I don't know what you call it um, between Christian and Anna, compared to how someone like Katie Roberts treats the same topic with consent, with like clear, clear, clear rules and respect. It's like. And boundaries. I would want, like, it, we can't cut both out. Like, having right. read a Katie Robert book, it was 
so enlightening of like, oh, this seems more like what should be happening in this community I know nothing about. But if someone was like, no, we're not ever going to read books like this, I would just never know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There's so much about the way that we talk about sexual education and like content in books that is so based in curriculum, like what we talk about in schools, what we deem is appropriate for kids to read is also, like, kind of intrinsically tied with, like, religious values. I'm like, I don't understand why people, like, have to, like, make that connection all the time. And it's, like, it's not helpful for a lot of kids. A lot of kids who grow up with religious trauma need romance books to be like, oh, this is what my parents never told me. Danielle, you're adding me right now. (laughs) But I think adding a lot of people, because even if you are casually a religious, like, you know, you go once a year during Christmas. um, it's important to have that education from somewhere. And like, yeah, am I saying every Wattpad book is great <laughs> sexual education? No. no, I'm not. There's some real, yeah. real tough stuff out there that is not great. Like, right, that's the after series was born from mm. the depths of Wattpad. And that does not show a healthy relationship. Definitely, but yeah. at least it opens a discourse for us to have a conversation. I agree. And I think that is maybe the most important part of this conversation, the nuance that people are forgetting is like kids are gonna find a way to read it regardless. We need to talk about how we address yeah. what they're reading in those books and how we have conversations. And like they're not my kids, so I'm not gonna like mm-hmm. invite myself into some minors like comments yeah. and be like, hey, do you want to talk about that? Like <laughs> right. that's not my place. But we need to talk figure out no. a way that we can have I don't know, transparency of like, yeah, guess what? You don't turn 18 and all of a sudden get a card. You're like, yeah, you get to read whatever you want now. Yeah. Like, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's right. harmful to think everything like so rigidly. There needs to be flexibility. Yeah, I think the conversation of like, I'm going to group us all as like influencers because I think that's what we are, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, what is the role of us as influencers as far as taking a responsibility for the books that we talk about right because Mm. there Mm -hmm. is sort of that boundary of like I am recommending this Mm -hmm. book I am talking about this book but who am I recommending it to and I know a lot of people have problems with age ratings Mm -hmm. um because it's like gatekeepy or whatever I know Kate shared an amazing website Mm. uh I we will post it in the link tree and it's basically somebody that has gone in and created like a rating system for books that's almost sort of like based off of video game and movie ratings and i genuinely think that kind of needs to be a little bit more of a universal thing because it might help us figure out like how do we tell people like i don't mean to tell you that this book isn't for you but i just don't think based on your age this book is for you you know? Or even just, like, content, like, coming back to, like, trigger warnings versus content warnings. Like, making content, content warnings. warnings to be a little bit more uh, vague, right? Like, having trigger warnings being specific triggers, but having content warnings being like, hey, this is, like, in the yellow zone where it has, like, kissing right. and, like, this stuff. So it doesn't say specifically, but it's like, hey, if you're not into this, mm-hmm. this is what's in this. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, right. That might be helpful. But also, I'm not a big fan of, like, age ratings. I I don't do them on my videos. I just talk about what's in the books, and then people can make their own judgment right. call. Because I'm like, who am I to say, like, what a right. 14-year-old or a 16-year-old can't read? Yeah. 
Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the internet. Like, if a kid has access to TikTok Mm -hmm. and Instagram and YouTube and Twitter, they can look up whatever they want. I mean, the amount of stuff I've stumbled across on Twitter, literally, accidentally, (gasps) is kind of scary. Like, genuinely scary. Retweet. It's like the black market on there, I swear. I find things, I'm like, I should not be seeing this. I... Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I agree. Twitter is like a whole, it's like the Wild West. I love like, it there, though. <laughs> like, there are some, there's like a little pocket of sunshine that at least I'm in, and I love it, so. I had a pocket of sunshine for like a year on Twitter, and I loved it, and I'm back in the black yeah. hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never had a pocket of sunshine. It's always just been like unlawful chaos, and I'm like, yeah! <laughs> I love it's it. Like, yeah. It's so good. What do you think about romance books, listeners at home? <laughs> what do you think Let about all know. of this? Uh, I know we we kind of chatted about this for a little bit, but I think it's just something that, like, I think with age and, like, experience, you're like, why are we talking about yeah. this? Yeah. Uh, it's a little confusing, so who knows? Who knows what's going to be? Read read what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be respectful. Come on. Give warnings when needed. Yes. If you can't take a joke about the stuff that you read, don't hand out judgments on things other peoples are reading. Absolutely. Other peoples. Other peoples. <laughs> um, <laughs> great. Okay. So what are we talking about today? Hmm. Let me let me tell you. What when. are we talking about today? Mm. We Danielle came prepared. Yes, we did prepared. come prepared. She thought she was so prepared, but then she forgot to explain what we were doing on this episode. So, hello, this is future <laughs> future Danielle coming at you really fast just to explain what this episode is and why we're doing it. Um, I originally pitched this idea after reading One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Um, and if you've read the book, you know that kind of sprinkled throughout the text is these misconnection ads for this woman that people have been falling in love with for decades, potentially. On the Tale, you have to read the book. Uh, I thought it would be such a fun episode to try to find bookish uh, misconnections or, like, New York subway misconnections. And then I kind of uncovered some really beautiful written pieces. And I call them pieces because they feel like pieces of art, some of these stories. And some of them are just silly. Um, Obviously, we have to have a balance. (laughs) We have to laugh. We have to cry. Uh... And then quickly it became apparent that people, the people who meet in bookstores find each other because there was not a lot of ads out there for people who meet in bookstores, which is uh, hopeful for all of us, I'd say. And kind of like piggybacking off of what we were talking about in last week's episode, which if you haven't listened to, I biasedly highly recommend last week's episode. I think we talked about some really important stuff. Kind of intermingle that into what we were talking about. This felt like the perfect episode to put out this week because there's so much storytelling in it. You get to just sit back and listen to with us these beautiful stories about people having little moments of falling in love and little moments of magic and online space internet in general has been very overwhelming lately so if you just need a break from everything (laughs) just even for half an hour you can take a break with us and um just listen to some beautiful stories and some silly ones. I don't want to like oversell you on all the beautiful ones. There's some silly ones in there too. But uh, if you don't know Misconnections, it's a little forum on Craigslist. Yes, Craigslist still exists where if you meet somebody in public, have a fleeting moment with them, you could post an ad on Misconnections and try to meet up with that person or just try to reach out and make a connection with them. Uh, some of them are sweet, and some of them are a little creepy, and that's okay. Uh, such is the internet. 
But that's what misconnections are. So if you did not know, now you know. Uh, so yeah, that's everything. So I hope you enjoy some of these beautiful stories. Um, I'm putting a Google Doc link in the episode notes. So if you want to see the like uh, physical versions of these stories, if you want to read them for yourself again, uh, I'll put the Google Doc in the show notes so you can have access to that as well. Cool. I think that's everything. So please enjoy this episode and let's get back to it. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll warn you, the language that people use, look at me, I'm just like the internet guru. Uh, <laughs> instead of like Reddit, Reddit when people do like 24F30M, this is M for W, so like men looking for women, or like W for W, women looking mm. for women. So that's the lingo. That's the lingo okay. we use, okay. Okay. like cool kids say. <laughs> Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You for the little <laughs> yes, we need You're all welcome. the context. Okay. Uh, y- y- sorry. <laughs> That did not compute with me. (laughs) That was like a hard restart. Okay, here we go. To the girl who attempted a B and E this morning. M for W. (laughs) Hi. I'm the guy whose house you tried breaking into this morning around 9.30 a.m. In Moore on Gale Street. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. (laughs) Our conversation was short. You only said, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh! (laughs) As you saw me staring back at you through the door blinds. Still, I feel like we made a good connection. Oh my god! Separated only by inches, the door and the two locks you were trying to pick. I gave you 15 minutes to to make your getaway. You're welcome, by the way. Oh. I don't know if you were with a professional crew, but please don't try to break into my house again. I'd hate to... And this is how you know this is in America. I'd hate to shoot your cute, freckled face. <laughs> However, if you're up for a legal encounter, I'm game. Oh. I don't even know what to say. Like, that's funny. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> that was so- hilarious how do you go from this person's breaking into my house to i think i want to take you on a date like you know what they're actually like pretty huge and they weren't trying to like rob me shoot your freckled face oh my god Mm. oh gosh god so if someone was ever trying to break into wow what would you say to them would you (laughs) i wish sometimes i wish we got follow-ups like i'm like did they ever meet wow was his house safe did he move right all the things I need to know. I'm just, okay. I, Did you get a ring light? I'm just thinking about the time that's... A ring light, a ring doorbell. <laughs> a ring doorbell. I'm just thinking about the time that someone tried to open our front door when my bedroom was downstairs, and I nearly shit my pants. I was terrified. I would have had some choice words for him. I don't think I would have wanted to date him. I would not have wanted to take him out for dinner. But hey, each to their own. I think most people would not want no. to break their intruder, d- date their intruder. <laughs> I agree. Okay, the next one I'm going to do, okay, I'm going to do this one and then we're going to get into a long one. So this is another short one. Um, you were the hot brunette with curves <laughs> that farted near the produce <laughs> weekend. <laughs> I was the tall guy next to you that looked over and asked, was that you? <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> you, sc- 
You quickly replied, no, it wasn't me. You almost seemed insulted, I would ask. As the stink grew and you continued to deny your flatulence, but it was evident. I tried to rid the stench by waving a couple loaves of bread. You proceeded to storm off in an angry manner. You're beautiful, and even though you're a liar and fart like a Clydesdale, I would love to meet a person sometime. story where it's like how did you guys leave? You're like oh i started in the grocery <laughs> store and you called me out on it can you read the like, last geez. line of that just one more time yeah <clears throat> you're beautiful <laughs> even though you're a liar and fart like clydesdale <laughs> i would love to meet a fart drink sometime at least he's got some good imagery like dude's a little bit of a poet oh my god my stomach <laughs> That was a good Even though you're a liar. Like a night's tale. Good. Good gracious. That was good. That was good. Okay. (laughs) Here's this one. This one was like viral when it happened. Or when people like discovered it. So it's a little bit longer. So bear with me. Uh, and this, it, the original ad doesn't exist anymore, so this is someone's, like, transcription of it. I've seen a couple different versions, but this is just one of them. Know that perhaps it's not 100% what was written, but this is the closest I could find. Uh, in the winter of 1989, I transferred to NYU from the University of South Maine. Southern Maine. Okay. Oh, my God. So sorry. <laughs> Intent on studying poetry, nursing youthful fantasies of literary success. I was terribly nervous about making friends. In addition to submerging myself in a completely unfamiliar and overwhelming urban environment, I was terribly shy, often displaying a reluctant timidity towards strangers. Uh, You lived in the same dorm building as me, a mishmash of dimly lit and shabbily painted converted office spaces on West 10th Street. You and a small handful of high school friends had come to college together from Chicago. You had red hair. Your favorite band was The Replacements. You were studying French, and we were introduced by my roommate. You and your Chicago friends were nice enough to take me out on the town several times in those first few weeks, and in the process, we struck up a casual romance. Mm. Although the youthful pressure to keep things casual often yanked at the oversensitive ventricles of my heart. It was a Sunday evening when a group of friends were smoking weed in my door. Classic. (laughs) And watching Brewster's <laughs> Millions, that one of my friends, one of our friends proposed the bet. The first person in the room to get married would be awarded $30, the cost of a New York State marriage license. The next morning, 
Inspired as much by the novelty of the bet as my affection for you, I asked if you wanted to go to City Hall and get married. You said yes. The Justice of the Peace looked like Hank Williams Jr. and reeked of whiskey. We signed the marriage license, and on our walk back uptown to Washington Square, we ducked into bar after bar, brandishing our new union as a means of getting free drinks. Half drunk and half in love, we returned to the dorm room where our roommates, laughing through their disbelief, pooled their $30 together. Fearing our family's reactions, three days later, we had the marriage annulled, and again, this time with paperwork indicating our separation, managed to get some free drinks out of the deal. For the first, for the rest of the semester, I slept in your bed, jokingly referring to you as my ex-wife. Two weeks before the end of semester, I received word that my estranged father, an expat living in rural Japan, was dying of cancer of the esophagus. I left immediately to go to his bedside, watching him teeter on life and death for the next six months. As this was pre-internet and my father's village lacked any telephone lines, we lost touch. That brings me to today. This morning, the L train was typically hectic. Car after car was so packed to the brim with people that I was waiting patiently for a less crowded train to board. One At one moment, looking up from my newspaper, we made eye contact. You were packed in like sardines among other morning commuters. I saw the flash of recognition in your eyes, our jaws dropping in disbelief. I stayed in Japan for another eight years before returning to the United States, where I built a, de- a decent career writing, not poems, but teleplays. I have lived all over the country, but only recently moved back to New York. I'm, I am once divorced and have two daughters. When I saw you, I felt all those years folding in on themselves and have now spent the entire morning wondering what your life is like. Perhaps an absurd, absurd suggestion. Would you like maybe to get a cup of coffee and catch up on a quarter century of life? Oh. <laughs> oh I'm literally God. crying. <laughs> oh, I love that. You said on the L train and I went, oh my God. <laughs> no. There's literal tears oh. in my eyes. Oh my God. And I don't, I feel like, because it was huge, right? This this like basically epic love poem gets posted to Craigslist and people are like uh we're invested so I, mm-hmm. I can't remember if they if they met or not wow that's just like the the definition of if they're meant for you they'll come back to you <sighs> second chance love <gasps> that's also like the magic of New York <sighs> yeah like genuinely true. I've run into so many random people in like subway tunnels in the subway cars on the street and it's like people i haven't seen in years and it's just like oh my god how are we like in this same place at this same time mm-hmm. yeah and then when i was in with our lives. when i was in new york uh i was there with my friend and her aunt has lived in new york on and off for like 30 years so she um has an apartment with a roommate and uh we like we and we had dinner with him like a few times and whatever and so he lives like like chelsea and we were in brooklyn and we ran into him on the subway one night and we were like how how does this happen like the singular person that we know in this city how does this happen like it's truly an incredible city for that oh it says the the ad's down now so either they reconnected and wanted to rekindle their romance in private or it was all fake fantasy intended to remind us 
that everything uploading lifting on the internet is a product of some hoax concocted in someone's lonely basement. Man. Okay, but also when they were talking about <laughs> bar hopping down Washington Square, I lived around. I that's where I was. I know exactly the bars they're talking about. Hell yeah. I again, I'm like if you can tell me a story that that moves my heart, it doesn't have to be real. It's better if it is, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is really cute. Brooklyn past Barclaves and the Prospect Park past Flatbush and Midwood and Sheep's Head Bay all the way to Coney Island. And when we got to Coney Island, Island, (laughs) I knew I had to say something. Still, I said nothing. So we went back up, up and down the Q train over and over. We caught the rush hour crowds, then saw them thin out again. We watched the sunset over Manhattan as we crossed the East River. I gave myself deadlines. I'll talk to her before Newkirk. I'll talk to her before Canal. Still, I remained silent. For months, we sat on the train saying nothing to each other. We survived on bags of Skittles sold to us by kids raising money for their basketball teams. We must have heard a million mariachi bands had our faces nearly kicked in by 100,000 breakdancers. I gave money to the beggars until I ran out of singles. When the train went above ground, I'd get text messages and voicemails. Where are you? What happened? Are you okay? Until my phone ran out of batteries. I'll talk to her before daybreak. I'll talk to her before Tuesday. The longer I wait, the longer I waited, the harder it got. What could I possibly say to you now, now that we've passed the same station for the hundredth time? Maybe I could go back to the first time the queue switched over to the local R line for the weekend. I could have said, well, this is inconvenient, but I couldn't very well say it now, could I? I would kick myself for days after every time you sneezed. Why hadn't I said bless you? That tiny gesture could have been enough to pivot us into a conversation. But here in stupid silence, still we sat. There were nights when we were the only two souls in the car, perhaps even on the whole train. And even then, I felt self-conscious about bothering you. She's reading her book, I thought. She doesn't want to talk to me. Still, there were these moments I felt a connection. Someone would shout something crazy about Jesus, and we'd immediately look at each other to register our reactions. A couple of teenagers would exit, holding hands, and we'd both think, young love. For 60 years, we sat in that car, just barely pretending not to notice each other. We got to know, I got to know you so well, if only peripherally. I memorized the folds of your body, the contours of your face, the patterns of your breath. I saw you cry once after you glanced at a neighbor's newspaper. I wondered if you were crying about something specific or just the general passage of time, so unnoticeable until suddenly noticeable. I wanted to comfort you, wrap my arms around you, assure you I knew everything would be fine, but it felt too familiar. I stayed glued to my seat. One day, in the middle of the afternoon, you stood as the train pulled into Queensboro Plaza. It was difficult for you, this simple task of standing up. You hadn't done it in 60 years. Holding onto the rails, you managed to get yourself to the door. You hesitated briefly there, perhaps waiting for me to say something, giving me one last chance to stop you. But rather than spit out a lifetime of suppressed almost conversations, I said nothing. I watched you slip out between the closing sliding doors. It took me a few stops before I realized you were really gone. I kept waiting for you to re-enter the subway car, sit down next to me, and rest your head on my shoulder. Nothing would be said. Nothing would need to be said. When the train returned to Queensboro Plaza, 
I craned my neck as we entered the station. Perhaps you were there on the platform still waiting. Perhaps I would see you smiling and bright, your long gray hair waving in the wind from the oncoming train. But no, you were gone. And I realized most likely I would never see you again. And I thought about how amazing it is that you can know someone for 60 years and yet still not really know that person at all. I stayed on the train until I got to Union Square, at which point I got off and transferred to the L. I'm speechless. Wow. <laughs> like, that's... Imagine, like... <laughs> imagine that. Like, you're scrolling through the misconnections and it's like, <clears throat> you farted at the grocery store and then you see that and you're like, Hello? Uh, wow. Obviously, that's a little bit more, like, fantasized. But I wonder if like, that was part right. of the inspiration for One Last Stop. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not I sure was when wondering this one the was same posted. Thing. Because. I'm like. That, wow. That is such a, like, a. Whoever wrote that. You get, you get, you get all the kudos, all the love, all the A pluses. Wow. That was great. And the thing that is, was like. That was a story. Yeah. yeah that was. I, I wasn't joking. <laughs> it was long, it was <laughs> um, but. There's something, something so authentic about like making this and posting it to a misconnections, right? You're yeah. not posting it. like just the people who are meant to find it are meant to find it until obviously it blows up and it's viral and then everyone sees it. But like right. the intention of posting that was like to brighten someone's day, mm-hmm. right? Or like make them very sad. I don't know, <laughs> but it was had some kind of intention. Well, but. and like there was so many right. like different like paths that I was thinking about while you were like telling us about it like it like I was thinking like how like when you're on the subway or like even just like in general you see people and like you kind of fantasize like your whole life together and then like you have to get off at some point but then also Mm -hmm. like the other side of it being like like the last few lines like you can know someone for 60 years but never really truly know them Mm -hmm. like that's just crazy oh my god I'm feeling all the emotions (laughs) that was a roller coaster it was it got so, got so, like, s- I love reading stories like this, though. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. They make me happy. That, like, that genuinely, like, made my day, even though it was, like, kind of sad. Made my day. But, like, they got to spend yeah. them, even, like, because it's also, like, hey, what part of that, like, let's boil it down. What part of that, like, is maybe truth? Like, yeah. even if you have the same commute every morning, mm-hmm. you run into the same people. Like, yeah, they start becoming a part of your routine. Yeah. And it's, like, you could... You could spend so much time with someone and know nothing about them. And I'm like, that's so beautiful. I agree. I, at one point, was taking the same bus into the city every morning. So I had the same assortment of adults standing with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't realize until after I was done taking that bus that one of the women that I stood with every day was my neighbor. Oh. Oh, my God. Like, literally, we, like, had no idea. Interesting. That's so fun. And then I saw her one day, and I was like, we used to take the same bus. You're like, did you follow me home? Yeah, that's so-and-so. Yeah. I was like, oh. I mean, I knew we had to live by each other, because the bus stop's down the street, but, like, you're literally my neighbor. Yeah. In in grade eight, I, like, went to school, like, on the other side of my city, and so I had to take um, the city bus. It took, like, an hour to get home. Um, And, like, it was mostly, it was mostly, like high school students but uh so many like interesting people on there and we took it every single day and like if someone wasn't there like we would always talk about it like oh like where's so-and-so so like it's interesting how like you become accustomed to people around you even if you don't like specifically know their name or like who they are or what they do 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the magic. The magic of being human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, Deirdre, did you find your meet cute slash misconnection? I did. <gasps> I did. So this is um, a misconnection love story from Overheard LA. <laughs> on instagram if you're not following any of the overheard accounts i highly recommend they crack me up so this was posted a couple days ago so it'll be like a month when this comes out so um this is the scroll through post of what happened in overheard's in overheard la's dms so i'm gonna call um the first messenger messenger a Okay. And then so on and so forth. So Messenger A says, can you help me find the love of my life? I was at Whole Foods on third, Whole Foods on third, trying to pick out a dip. And I started chatting with this guy about our mutual love of dips. He was wearing green shirt and said he lives in Echo Park. Beautiful brown eyes that go right into your soul. Don't know his sign, but big Libra energy. (laughs) I can't believe I'm doing this, but (laughs) I can't believe I'm doing this, but it's pride. Can we find him? So then Overheard LA uh, wrote on the screenshot of the story, mm-hmm. we asked LA to find this hot dip daddy slash unverified Libra. <gasps> oh. <laughs> so then messenger A uh, comes back and says, oh, wait, one more detail. He mentioned his Frenchie named Oscar. <gasps> oh my God. Oh, no. Overheard LA comes back. That is a crucial detail. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So then Overheard LA updates the people. Update, Dip Daddy is now a dog daddy. We are searching for Oscar's father. Then we have uh, Messenger B responding to the story. Is Oscar a blonde standard poodle? (gasps) Overheard LA says, Oscar is a Frenchie. Please read the source material. (laughs) Yeah, how dare you? (laughs) Then Messenger C comes in. Guy in my building has a dog named Oscar. Overhead LA responds, Frenchie. Messenger B looks kind of like this. Sends picture of a Yorkie. So people need to get overheard a book LA. <laughs> overheard LA says, Sir, that is not a Frenchie. <laughs> Posts on their story. Los Angeles, we expect you to know your breeds. <laughs> Someone responds to this story. Not knowing what a Frenchie is, especially during Pride Month, the gays are gasping. Yeah. It's true. Oh my god. Back to the investigation, Overheard LA says. Messenger D responds. Wait, this sounds like someone I work with, and he goes to that Whole Foods like two times a day. Just texted. Overheard LA also says, seems like a very expensive habit, but we have a lead and Oscar verification. The person responds. Hey, that was me. Can you prove it? Pretty sure he ended up choosing bitchin' sauce on the <laughs> Chipotle flavor superior to all dips. <laughs> and Overheard LA screenshotted it and added a photo of the bitchin' dip for their followers, saying, we fact-checked this claim and ran the data to determine if this is our night in spicy dips. Back to the original messenger. What kind of dip did you end up buying? <laughs> It was a funny name, checking the fridge. Bitch sauce. (laughs) Bitchin' sauce. Holy (laughs) So, Overheard LA creates a group chat. Messenger A, meet. Meet cute. 
We wish you two and Oscar a lifetime of happiness and hors d'oeuvres. One of them. Hi. Can't believe this is happening. Other person. Hey. And then overheard LA wrote, <laughs> when I dip, you dip, we dip. <laughs> oh my god. Legend. And that's it. Wow, that was really cute. That's really funny. Yeah. A Whole Foods dip love story. Wow. Like, see, that maybe is the better way to find someone than putting it on add on Craigslist. <laughs> I feel like that maybe gets more traffic. I can't, This I have no facts for this, but there was one night when I was on TikTok and some girl made some video about bumping into this guy on her campus and was like, he's really cute, like, hit me up. And then it was everyone on TikTok's, like, mission to try and find this guy and there were so many videos of people at that university like running around campus like asking people looking for him (laughs) like they were like they were like crashing parties trying to find this guy they were like going into libraries like it was like nighttime so like it it was really weird anyway at the end of the night they actually found each other and it was the cutest thing i think they started dating after that too it was so cute yeah I know, like, every couple of months on either Twitter or TikTok, someone will be like, hey, here's this photo of me when I was 12 on a mm-hmm. cruise. Can we find my cruise bestie? Yeah. And they'll, like, find this person across yeah. the world. That's pretty cute. Yes. Okay, here's our yeah, last one. It's an amazing place. It is. It's so scary, but also <laughs> kind of cool sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, speaking of scary, here we go. <clears throat> This is the title. To the guy I gave a skull to. Okay, hot start, hot start. All right. Really, really, just right out the gate. Uh, I just wanted to let you know I wasn't a crazy lady. Here's what happened. (laughs) Me. (laughs) A guy was running for a train. I saw something go flying off the end of his cane. Yes, he was running with a cane. After a few seconds of me and other passengers looking around stupidly at each other, I decided to be a good Samaritan, and that's capitalized. (laughs) It's important. Uh, I picked it up and saw it was a small, polished replica of a human skull. I looked at the old man standing next to me and said, it's a skull. (laughs) And he shrugged his shoulders. I didn't want it, but I had such a particular hatred of littering that I didn't want to drop it back on the floor lest someone think I was a dirty skull litterer. (laughs) I decided the proper thing to do would be to give it back to whoever dropped the thing. So I jumped in the door of the L train and saw you with what I thought was a cane. So I said, here's your skull. And I handed it to you. You were shocked. And I thought because you didn't realize it was lost. But as I backed off the train and as the train the doors closed, I saw it wasn't a cane that you had had in your hand, but an umbrella. And luggage. You clearly were not the person who dropped the skull. I can't imagine how weird it must be for you to have some woman run into a train, shove a skull into your hand, and tell you, it's yours. So, I'm just writing this to let you know it wasn't a voodoo ritual or an ominous mafia warning, gang initiation, or misguided attempt at getting to know you better. I truly thought you dropped the skull. Now, what what did you do with it? I'm dying to know. <laughs> Not quite a misconnection, but very funny. <laughs> That's so funny. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> what would you do if 
someone just handed you a skull, what would you do? I would probably immediately drop it. I'd probably drop it. (laughs) I don't think I would take it. Like, that's the thing. If somebody tried to put something in my hands, I'd probably punch them in the face. No, actually, I'd probably hold it and, like, keep it and be like, it would be like my party trick where I would just pull out a skull and be like, yeah, someone gave me this. I for sure would be the person who would, like, wrap it up in something and bring it to, like, the nearest official adult and be like, oh. Yeah. Like, even as a, ch- like, even what as an adult, I'd be the kid who'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And the teacher's like, just throw it out. And they're like, ah, I don't know. And they, like, make you deal with yeah. it. I would be that person. I'm just imagining like, the conversation that happened after she ran off the oh train God. and, like, everybody that's around witnessing it Literally. is like, what? <laughs> and she's like, what the hell? so funny that's oh god and that poor man with the skull on his cane yeah. never got his skull back he was never just trying to be cool back. i'm just thinking of kaz brecker but yeah I know. <laughs> literally literally close, close close but not quite yeah. oh man man all right those are those are so misconnections that was great yeah. how oh. fun uh man i i hope to i hope i hope that Everyone finds the love they're deserving on misconnections. I agree. And the creepy people. Yeah. I hope you don't bother anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what are we reading? What's everybody's oh, current God. reads? Uh, I think we all actually finished one last stop, right? I haven't finished it. I mm. did finish it. Um, I've been, I've been, I can talk a little bit about what I, I've been reading because i i don't know about y'all but like june 1st was like every book is available now go have literally fun. and so like many <laughs> i got sent a lot of books and like i there's two books i got sent that come out on the 22nd which is in four days <laughs> to have them read before then and i'm like uh so i it's just a it's a high volume of books and i'm like i want to read and then i have to read to review and i'm like i just don't have enough time in the day but I did end up reading um, my first thriller in a very long time. The last time I read a thriller was The Wives by Taryn Fisher. <laughs> I was like, never again. And I'm we all know how that went. Uh, but then I saw the premise of this one and I was like, okay. So the book is called Hostage by Claire McIntosh. And the premise is a, a, a plane hijacking. And I was like, you know what? This is coming at me, coming to me at a good point in my life because COVID's, you know, resolving a little bit. I'm getting my vaccine. I might want to travel, but it's nice to read a book that reminds me, no, you don't want to travel. <laughs> you don't ever want to step foot on a plane. <laughs> worst nightmare. Uh, so I was like, oh, good. Now I'm never going to fly again. And that's good for my uh, mental health and also good for my wallet. Um, in the e- ecosystem. <laughs> and well, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's a huge part of this book. Uh, so Hostage, it follows, it's a dual, it's a dual POV between Mina, who's a flight attendant, and she has, uh, she's been assigned to do this like first ever nonstop flight from London to Sydney, Australia, which wow. hasn't, I don't know if that's ever actually been, I don't know like the actual facts of it, but without stopping in like, I think they usually stop in shanghai to refuel and then go it would be nonstop. so it's this huge luxury airplane and she um is having issues at home with her husband whose name is adam who's the other pov and they have a five-year-old adopted daughter who is having issues adjusting to the home 
she has some PTSD and some uh, abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. So a big part of what's helpful about Claire, nope, about Mina's job is that she leaves, but she always comes back. So it's good for the daughter to be like, oh yeah, mom's back. It's great. So Mina gets on this flight and she notices right away that something's wrong because she sees that there's hints that someone knows her daughter is on who knows of her daughter is on the flight so she sees her daughter's EpiPen on like the airplane bar and she's like I didn't I didn't think I brought this and dropped it like that's so weird because uh, she was looking for it early that morning she was like oh that maybe I just brought it on and dropped it she's like, a little weird but whatever uh, and then one of the occupants of the flight dies and she goes to investigate the body <laughs> with whatever uh, authority she has as a flight attendant. So she opens up his wallet and sees that stuffed into his wallet is a photo of her daughter. And she's like, excuse me? And then a little bit later in the flight, she gets a note addressed specifically to her that says, um, the following instructions will save your daughter's life. And then lists Uh -uh. these demands. And now she knows someone on the flight knows her daughter, has a picture of her daughter from that day, that earlier that day. So she has to basically decide whether or not she, what she does and who she trusts. And I was like, Uh, so then on the flip side, her husband is in other trouble. Like this whole book was just like, twist after twist after twist I did not see it coming till the very end like literally the last line of the book I was like what <laughs> it <laughs> was are, wild great they, yeah. it was fun to yeah. read like I I in, I didn't there were things in the book I didn't agree with right. but it was it was a fun activity to do you know what I mean like to have, be surprised and be like oh my god it was fun um there are there's a lot of triggers I went through on my story graph review <laughs> it was like putting all the triggers and I was like oh my god so uh, a big part of this book there's technically three POVs but I only mentioned the two main ones the third POV is uh it says like passenger 1g and then it has like the life story of that passenger and how they found themselves to be on the plane and then slowly we see connection between the passengers that we didn't know before or like So, like, within those, like, stories, like, there's a woman who is running away from her husband because he's abusive to her. So, there's domestic abuse being spoken about. Um, There's fat phobia. One of the passengers is a plus-sized man, and there's fat phobia towards him. So, within their own stories, one of the men is Middle Eastern, so there's Islamophobia. There's, like, a lot of, like, hard content. Yeah, but also, like, it's, it's a dark thriller. So, like, I think there's a kind of... There's a lot of, and like, there's murder also. <laughs> there's also like, there's like a hostage situation right. on the plane. So like, there's a lot of stuff going on. But uh, I liked how the author wrote it. She doesn't really like, it's very like facts, 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 facts. The pace was really fast. It's like a 380 page book. So it was a pretty quick read. Um, but I, the, <laughs> the ending, I had to like read it a couple times. I did not understand. It was so like a full 180 and then a full 180 back. But if you're looking for, like, a quick read at the beach or just, like, some kind of, uh, something to get you into thrillers, I think this would be, it's a good first step. Because it's not too, too spooky, but, like, the twist will, the twist will keep, keep the pace up. There's a couple things 
if anyone reads it, let me know. DM me and we can talk about it because there's some stuff that I was like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, like, truly, it feels like everything bad that could happen to this family does at the same time. Because, like, it's it's 20 hours in the air for her. So this entire book takes place in 20 hours. So it's like everything that happens to the husband who's still in London is also happening in this 20 hours. I'm like, this poor family had a bad, bad 20 hours. Real they bad really day. did. <laughs> but yeah, I I had fun reading it. <laughs> that's my that's my two cents. I think I ended up giving it like a three and a half stars ish. Mm. I was like, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's better than the wives. I have a very low bar for thrillers. I was like, it's better right. than the wives. Good. I liked it. Yeah, I'm, it comes out. On... Yeah, don't don't. <laughs> I won't. But that's just because I know my boundaries. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Um, so I am going to talk about Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which also came out, uh, which was one of the books, uh, I should say, because your book hasn't come out yet, uh, was one of the, the many, many books that came out on June 1st. And, uh, just want to give a quick thank you to Libro FM for my, uh, audiobook copy of it. I did receive it for free through their influencer program. Uh, so full transparency on that. Uh, I have already listened to it twice (laughs) because I loved it so much. So this, and for reference, the only other Taylor Jenkins Reid book that I have read is Daisy Jones and the Six, which we have talked about at length on this podcast. Um, So it was really exciting to come into a very different structure of a book, much more structured like other books. I feel like Daisy Jones and the Six kind of like sits in a very different category. Um, So this book takes place mostly in the 80s um, out in Malibu. However, there are significant chunks of the book that do flashbacks from the 1950s through the 80s. So it's kind of a mixture. So the book centers on the Riva family who are out in Malibu, um, and it's mostly focusing on the children of this family who are in their 20s in the 80s. So we have Nina Riva, who is a swimsuit surf model. Um, She's 25, and she has recently been separated from her tennis um, athlete champion husband. And then you have her brother, Jay, who is a surf athlete, very, uh, what's the word? Highly, he's very good at surfing. (laughs) That's a lot of awards. Um, I don't know what to say about athletes. (laughs) So, um, I don't know either. I was like, I have nothing to add. I don't know what you call them. I don't know. I don't know. And then we have HUD who is very close in age to Jay. They are only, um, they're very close in age. I won't say anything. Uh, and HUD is a sports photographer who mostly photographs Jay. So a lot of Jay's photos end up on sports magazines because of HUD. And then the youngest is Kit and she is in college and she might be the best surfer out of all of them. 
but because she's the youngest, no one has really explored her talent yet or really let her um, explore her talent as much as maybe she would like. And so the book starts off on one day in August. The, the These kids have been throwing their annual party um, since the early 80s, and this party has no invites. It started when they had really just started their careers and were coming out of a pretty bad place. So they just decided to throw a party one day and it has grown with their fame. So now it's kind of an it party. A lot of celebrities come, actors, musicians, and all you have to do is know Nina's address. That's it. That seems so dangerous. Yeah. As long, it's the eighties. It's the eighties. Seems as, like Project X, yeah. but like in the eighties. Yeah, literally. As long as you, as long as you know the date of the party and you know Nina's address, you're invited. So I guess Twitter wasn't around, so it's probably not going <laughs> to know as much as I'm like imagining right now. Yeah. So um, we get to see basically the whole day. So part one is I think it's seven a.m. to seven p.m. And it kind of goes through, it, it doesn't kind of, it goes through everybody's uh, points of view through a third person narrator. So what I think is really successful about the book is especially when there are multiple people in a scene together, there's kind of a rotating perspective um, as the scene is happening. So you get to see it from all angles and it doesn't get confusing and it is fantastic. And so as we are getting this day laid out for us and throughout this day, you are learning about um, where everybody is at mentally heading into this party. Um, we're also getting flashbacks of their family history. So we go back to the 1950s and meet their parents, June and Mick, uh, when they met when June was 17 and they had a whirlwind romance, but uh, it's not... Um, I don't know what to say about their romance. There, there's a really great way that um, their romance is described, and it is seen differently by everyone. And I think that is a really great way of explaining it. And so throughout this book, but mostly throughout part one, you get the flashbacks of their family history, their childhood into their adulthood, as well as this day that the party is happening. And then... By seven o'clock, the party has started and we start to get other people's perspectives. So you get a little bit of backstory on the partygoers, Nina's husband, um, and kind of where everybody's at mentally at this party. And it's all kind of leading to some sort of fire that is going to happen. You know, right from the beginning of the book that the house is on fire at the end of the party. Mm-hmm. So who set the fire? Why is the house on fire? And why is everything crumbling? Or is it like a phoenix and something is going to rise from the ashes? Who's to say? Um, I, I loved this book. It was so good. There are so many incredible 
things about it. And I think what this book made me realize is I love character-based books, especially when you can get like human psychology so spot on. Like the male fragility in this book is incredible because it's so frustrating. Mm. Like you literally want to grab these people by the shoulders and be like, you are an idiot. (laughs) And it's like, oh my God, like it's so real. And just like in Daisy Jones, she's created this family that um, kind of on the outside has it all. And these people that are in this celebrity lifestyle, but they're real people who have struggles and backstories and things that the camera doesn't see and insecurities. Um and it's just, it's so fantastic. And then just to list off a handful of the triggers that I can think of off the top of my head, um, there is sexual harassment, um, alcoholism and substance abuse, um, child abandonment, domestic abuse. And I think that's all I can think of. And a fire. Off the top. Arson. And a fire. <laughs> and a fire. <laughs> and a fire. It's not arson. Oh. It's not arson. Uh, but there is a fire. Um, so, yeah, that is Malibu Rising. And I liked it enough that I have read it twice. Wow. So. And I would definitely recommend the audiobook. The audiobook was read by Julia Whalen, who was the narrator for The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. And right. she does a truly fantastic job. Mm. And I think I have talked long enough. <laughs> I really don't want to talk about this book. So I'm currently reading uh, <laughs> Trist Six Venom by Penelope Douglas. Uh, it's 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 been interesting. I'm nine percent of the way through, so like, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. making I'm making strides. Uh, mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, I don't know why I'm reading it really uh it's it's not the finest piece of literature i've ever read read i will say um but essentially (laughs) it don't judge yourself you're allowed to read what you want it's true it's true it's true um i think i'm reading it because it's i it's sapphic and penelope douglas does not usually do sapphic um so i've I'm I'm intrigued and I want to read it because I hear a lot of people. There's there's been some whisperings on a book talk about it. Uh, I saw a video. I cannot remember the creator who was like, "These are the five reasons why you should read this book." And um, I was like, "Okay, bet. Let's do it." Um, <laughs> don't <laughs> don't. I know Kirsten talked about it. Kirsten was like, "If you want a sapphic bullying romance, read right. this." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay." Yeah. Um, I got it on Kindle Unlimited and was like, let's go. Um, so the story follows. <laughs> so this, <laughs> hold on, give me a second. You want to know something funny? Carly, I don't know if you realize this, but you bought me a Penelope Douglas book for my birthday. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have a physical copy of Corrupt, but I haven't read it yet. Full disclosure. <sighs> I've thought about it, and then I saw, I think Sam, Literary Libra, is yeah. reading it, and she's going, like, chapter by chapter. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to read it now. I'm going to have to read it, and I'm so excited. Oh, I'm glad you're excited. I'm glad you're excited. Um, yeah. yeah. I have not read any of Penelope Douglas's books, but um, 
I hear a lot of people talk about it. So I was like, you know what? We're going to try it. So the story follows Clay, who is like the bubbly blonde that everyone loves. She's the most popular girl. She's the captain of the rugby team. She kind of has it all. Um, and she goes to an academy called Marymount Academy. And there's like sororities in it. Um which is interesting. Um, and she's part of one. Lily, the book starts off with her on a float. It was very weird. Um, but there's a debutante ball coming up and she is getting fitted for her dress that she hates. And uh, in walks Olivia. Olivia is um, a... Olivia works uh, at this shop um, doing helping with alterations and she kind of lives like on the other side of town a little bit like rougher around the edges um, she has a big family um, with lots of brothers I think her parents are dead uh, but her brothers have a like club and they're called the Trist Six or something like that <laughs> and so she's she's her parents died and she's feeling like very misplaced and she's kind of like, uh, doesn't have a lot of friends, yada, yada, yada. Um, and Clay is essentially her bully, essentially like talks down to her, um, is really rude to her, all of this stuff. And they were both on the same sports team together. So there's like lots of, lots of tension and all this. Um, there's literally a review that says, the Queen Bee of Marymount Academy loves to torture the school outcast Olivia Jagger. No one knows what she likes to do to her in private. So, um, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting the sense that they're going to, uh, uh, be a couple, and it's like this whole bully trope, and like, that's interesting and cool, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm reading it, and I'm picking up a lot of like. To me, it seems like Penelope Douglas wrote this book and then, like, changed all the attributes of a male protagonist and Ooh. put, like, blonde hair, girl, <laughs> like, in. Yeah, like, it, it's very much so, like, like the, like, I know what it, okay, uh, I'm not going to get too personal, but, like, I know what it's like to be bullied and, like, girls are nasty. Girls are, like, mean, but, like, Clay's bullying is very, like, possessive and, like, we it, i don't know it's very like it, it sounds to me like it's a man who's like bullying a girl and it's very weird like oh i'm gonna be mean to you because i like you kind of thing um, um and it's just i don't know yeah it's kind of it's weird but um i do want to finish it because i want to give it a try i want i want to give it a try i want to give it a shot um and i've heard like lots of people talk about it it literally has like a 4.23 on goodreads um, yeah, but one of my mutuals on Goodreads rated it two stars and I really respected her review, um, when she went into it, just kind of like talking about like how it, there's lots of like misogyny in it. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to like read the perspective of someone who's already read it. So, um, because I've been feeling so iffy about it, but I do want to finish it. There we Woo-hoo! go. <laughs> We did it! Okay. Another episode done. If you made it to the end of this episode, you should head on over to our Instagram at Books on the Brain Pod, and you can go ahead and leave 
the uh, two hearts emoji. Mm. You know, the, the little one. Because uh, this is a little fun romance episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We put out new episodes every Wednesday and we are available on all podcast platforms. And it would mean so, so, so much if you would go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe or follow however it works on the platform you're on. It really does help us. If you've been listening for a couple months and haven't left a review yet, please consider doing so. You can also go ahead and follow us on our own social accounts. I am at Deirdre Rose Morgan on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at d.j.books on TikTok and on Instagram. And I am at Carly Rakashi on Instagram and at Library of Carly on TikTok. Thank you so much for listening, and we will chat to y'all next week. Bye! Bye! Go fall in love on the subway. (laughs) 